welcome to a special edition of Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 Fan. John Schneider has agreed to a three-year contract to manage the Toronto Blue Jays. It includes an option for 2026. We're about to go to the Rogers Centre where John Schneider and Ross Atkins will meet the media. Those of you who are listening to the Jeff Merrick Show, it's available on the alternate feed and, of course, as always, on Sportsnet 360. Kevin, we kind of knew this day was going to come at some point. I think we'd been, as a lot of folks, we had indications made to us that John Schneider was going to be back as manager of the team. But it did take uh, a longer time to make this announcement than a lot of us thought it would. Yeah, for me too. I mean, I, I had a pretty good source that told me that it, this was going to happen <laughs> a little <laughs> while ago. And so yeah, yeah, look, it's. Uh, I think you have to you have to dot the i's and cross the t's, and that's exactly what the organization did. Now it's just, it'll be interesting to see what coaches are back. If all of them are back, if they make some adjustments, if they tweak the the bench coach, if you know, if the hitting coach. Like, there's some things there you need to fill in the blanks with. That'll be an interesting conversation to see if somebody would ask Ross that. Maybe it's a little too early to answer those questions. Who knows? Maybe that's still a work in progress but i think they got the right guy you know there, there is some rumblings about why would you bring a guy back that has the the you know the last three innings that john had to end the season but i just think everything leading up to that you know you could uh, you could wonder and and you could make an argument that he didn't have a very good last game and but i think he'll learn from that i think they'll they'll go out and give him better options to choose from, they'll be a better team, and I think right now the guy that that's driving the ship is the right guy, and that's that's John Snyder. Yeah, listen, I, I don't think that uh, anybody should have been under the impression that the Jays were going to pull the shoot on John Snyder because of one bad inning, one bad decision, or two or three, uh, two or three bad decisions, or at least decisions that didn't go his way. I think there's a wider body of work here. I mean, the fact of the matter is, this team when John Snyder took over was kind of listless. Uh, it wasn't playing good baseball. There were a lot of unhappy players, and we, we can say that. There were a lot of unhappy players, a lot of unhappy key players in that clubhouse, and something needed to be done. John Schneider was the obvious choice. You know, what I would be interested in knowing, and I know we're never going to get this, Kevin, well, there's two things I'd be interested in knowing. One, why wasn't he a more serious candidate back when Charlie Montoyo was hired? Because there Great was question. really nothing to suggest Charlie Montoyo would be a leading candidate for that job. And the other thing is, this delay, did the Jays talk to somebody else about the job or other people about the job, or did they at least put feelers out about the job with other uh, with other managers? You know, we've talked about people like Bud Black, who has an existing relationship with Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, certainly Mark Shapiro. He's got a couple of years left in Colorado. There are folks out there. I know there was a lot of folks on social media talking about Terry Francona. Terry Francona's health wasn't good enough. So we'll see where that goes. Right now, here's Ross Atkins and John Schneider live from the Rogers Center. Schneider family and Jess, Gunner, and Grayson, very good to see you here. Thanks for being here. Uh, we're, we're obviously um, very, very pleased to be at this day that uh, we're announcing uh, John Schneider as the 14th manager of the Toronto Blue Jays and taking that interim title off. Uh, over over the course of time, not just over the course of the last couple of months, John has has truly earned uh, the respect and the trust of all of us here. Um, I think most importantly of you know the front office, uh, well, most importantly the staff and players, and he certainly earned it of the of the front office as well. Uh, a lot of things stand out to, about John to us. You know, I could go on and on uh, about the attributes and 
Um, there's a lot of words that come to mind, and, and the one that I think about as I work with him and have worked with him and I watch how he works with others is, you know, it's one thing to support people, it's another thing to make people feel supported. Um, he authentically does that in a way that I think is exceptional. Uh, that combined with his baseball acumen, his baseball expertise and experiences, and then thinking about the fact that he's been here for 20 plus years as a Toronto Blue Jay, to have him as the leader of an already very cohesive group uh, gives me a great deal and us a great deal of confidence that this organization is going to continue in a very positive direction in bringing championships back to this country. So before I turn it over to John Schneider, the 14th manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. <clears throat> number was a coincidence too. Oh, nice. <laughs> we'll see if we can do this better than some of our players do with the home run jacket. <laughs> oh, feel like them. Almost. Almost. Yeah. Good fit. Congratulations. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Go hat. Feel right at home. Um, wow, where to begin? Um, thank you, Ross. Thank you, Mark. Thank you to the uh, Rogers Corporation for this unbelievable opportunity. Uh, this is basically, I've said it before, this is a dream scenario for me. Um, over 20 years with this organization, there are so many people that have uh, kind of helped me to get to this point. Uh, my family, obviously, Jesse and the boys, Gunnar and Grayson. Uh, my parents, Kath and Dave, and my brothers, Matt and Kev, who aren't here. But from them to coaches, teammates, staff, up and down the minor leagues and here in the big leagues, um, couldn't ask for a better situation to be in. This organization has made me feel like uh, a family member since day one. We absolutely have you know, fallen in love with the city here, love being here, um, and I'm just extremely humbled and honored to, to lead this group and hopefully just achieve our goal of winning World Series here. So um, thank you, and it's gonna be a, uh, it's gonna be a fun ride. That, uh, if you've got questions for John or Ross, just raise your hands and we'll get you a microphone. And just as you're about to ask your question, just address uh, who you'd like to answer it. So we'll begin here with Keegan. All right, first for, uh, for John. John, congratulations. Uh, Thanks, when Keith. you look at 20 years in this organization, uh, when was it? What stage, what era of your career as a player or a coach did you start to think of a day like this or managing a big league club? This is going to sound weird, but kind of right when I started coaching, you know, this is when I turned the page from a very mediocre playing career to, to coaching in the minor leagues, it was, um, this was kind of the end goal. Now, understanding that it, it may not happen with the organization I was working with, um, but I think it makes it that much more special to be sitting here with this hat, with this jersey on. Um, that was kind of the goal, knowing, you know, to start coaching early to hopefully get to this point. So to kind of be here now is, um, is pretty cool. And when you think back about that uh, transition to coaching, was that your idea? Was that someone pulled you aside? Uh, that's uh, long ago, of course, but connecting to today. Yeah, it was a little bit of both. I think there was something I knew I wanted to pursue. Um, I love 
being around the game. I love understanding people within the game, and I think um, that kind of sparked my interest into the coaching aspect and trying to help others. There were a few, uh, a few people that kind of suggested it may be a good fit for me. Um, Dick Scott being one of them, who was the farm director at the time, so um, it kind of made sense to turn the page and um, evolved along the way, learned a lot along the way, and ultimately here I am. Next is John. I've got two questions. The first is for John. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Um, obviously, you've been with the organization for a while, but you're going to be starting the season as manager. What changes, if any, will you be making to the day-to-day -day of the Toronto Blue Jays? There's things that I think you're always trying to get better and you're always trying to evolve and tweak things, whether it's the way you get prepared for a game, the way you communicate with players, the way you communicate with staff. Um, it's been really fun over the last week or so to talk with Ross and uh, the front office group and how we're going to try to approach that and the things we've we're going to put in place to try to make our, our whole process better. Um, so there's a lot of different things. I think it's a talented group. You have to recognize that. Um, but it's just being, being aware of what our strengths are and what our areas of opportunities are uh, just in the offseason and, and hit the ground running in spring. My second question is for Ross. Uh, Ross, what was this negotiation process like for the front office? Um, well, the negotiation process uh, with John Schneider is not something that I would uh, get into the details of out of respect for him and others. Um, uh, but, but the actual process was uh, powerful, um, you know, of having the, the exchange to talk about where the opportunities are, where the alignment is or potentially isn't. Uh, we felt that, you know, working through that in a respectful and thorough way was best with the magnitude of the decision for the organization and also best for John. Greg. Uh, John, you guys are kind of in a unique spot where you're returning uh, a big chunk of, of this year's team into, into next year. Um, after making the postseason coming up a little bit short, why do you think you guys did come up short and where do you think that you guys can get better with this core that's already in place? Yeah, it was really encouraging, I think, the last month or so. You know, I said that as the season went on, um, how close this group got and how, how comfortable they became around one another just in the clubhouse and on the field. So that's something to definitely build on. And in terms of, you know, coming up short, it's extremely difficult to be the last team out of 30 standing. And you're going to be disappointed if you're not every year. Um, certain things and I think certain experiences that both players, staff, everyone went through this season um, with the postseason included will help us get better for next year. And uh, when you're talking about a young core group that is, you know, one together before and that is hungry to do more of it, um, as bad as a ending is when you don't win, I think it's really good going forward for the next year. Um, you've been around this coaching staff for a while now. Uh, what are your thoughts on that group and are you expecting to bring everybody back or what, what are your plans with the staff? Yeah, the coaching staff, it's very unique where we've been around each other for a long period of time. Um, it was a very cohesive unit. You know, they've all, we've all spoken uh, recently, and, um, you know, we're still working through everything, and I think Ross can probably speak to it a little bit, but I think that's the expectation is, um, you know, hopefully everyone is back in some capacity. Caitlin? Hi, John. Hi. Congrats. Thank you. Um, just wanted to ask you, uh, have you had a chance to share the news with players and what has their kind of reaction been to you coming back full time, I guess? Yeah, I called a few last night, a few handful of guys. Um, their reactions were great. You know, it's cool to have those conversations with guys that you know and you trust. 
Um, they were very excited for me, um, just about as excited as I am to be, you know, leading them and the rest of the group. So it's, um, it's cool that some of them are, you know, they're like family to me, you know, they could be sitting right there with my other, my other two boys. Um, so those conversations were special. I'm going to remember them for a long time and their reaction was great. And just kind of related to that, I know when you took over, communication was a big thing for you, having direct conversations with players and group conversations with players. I just wondered, like, how that came to be in terms of your manager style. Did you learn it along the way, or what, what helps you be such a good communicator? I think that's me in general off the field as well. I try to talk things out. I think, I think Jess can sit there and laugh at that too, but um, sometimes to a fault. But that's kind of what I seemed, you know, it, it seemed to work for me as I, as I came up the ranks. Uh, players responded to it, and, you know, you have to evolve a little bit as you go. So I've always been kind of an open book, whether it's a good conversation, tough conversation. Um, I think having the conversation is really important, and, um, you know, more times than not, players really appreciate that. Go to Ben. Hey, John. Congrats. Thanks, Ben. Um, Ross spoke about this a little bit. Um, I'm just wondering what it was like from your perspective over the course of the last couple of weeks um, as you were discussing what it would be like to become the permanent manager. What were those discussions like from your standpoint? Excitement for me. You know, this is, I've, I've said it, I said it a couple of months ago. I mean, this is the place that I've always wanted to be. Um, with this group of front office, with the players, with the staff, this is a very unique opportunity. Um, and one that I'm not taking lightly. So conversations were excitement, um, but at the same time, understanding the magnitude of it and understanding how hard it is to be sitting here right now and everything that goes into it, you know, respecting uh, the thoroughness of it. Um, but just the, the one thing that, it, that sticks out is just excitement, I think, and mutual interest in, in me sitting here. And there's obviously lots of reason to be excited at this point with the roster that's in place, but I'm wondering what do you see as the biggest challenges uh, for yourself in this role as you move ahead here? There's always going to be challenges. I think it's, you know, you're trying to identify areas that we can get better, whether it's, you know, at the plate, on the mound, in the field, or on the bases. And when you step back and look at the year that we had, um, it's easy to see some, some areas for us to get better. Um, and I, it's just tackling those head on. You know, challenges are going to come every day, whether it's an opponent or whether it's what you're trying to get better at. So it's, uh, it's something that I'm looking forward to, the staff's looking forward to. And, uh, you know, you got to just, you got to meet it head on. And Mitch? Hey, John, congrats. Hey, thank you. Uh, I think just first off, when you look back at kind of your 15 years of coaching, how do you feel like you've kind of grown the most or where has your biggest growth over that time come? For one, understanding how hard the game is and how good the players are, um, having empathy for them and um, understanding that mistakes are going to happen. I remember when I was younger and starting out as a coach, you wanted to win every game and you wanted to be the loudest one and show everyone that you're in charge. And as you go, you kind of figure out that um, it's, not always the best, it's not always the best thing to try to run your same best players out every day or try to you know, yell a little bit louder if they're not understanding or making adjustments. So having empathy for the difficulty of the game, um, understanding the, the person, um, not just the player, I think is a big thing. And um, you know, always keeping them kind of in the, in, the, in the forefront of what you're trying to do. In these last few hours and days when you found out you were going to be manager and it kind of became public, was there anyone who reached out to you that was like a particular <laughs> meaningful reach out? Oh, man, a lot. I haven't checked my phone. Uh, my college coach reached out, Jim Sherman, which was cool. Um, a lot of different former teammates, a lot of different um, 
staff members that I've crossed paths with, with uh, other organizations, with the Blue Jay organization. Um, it's been a lot, and it's been um, overwhelming um, excitement and support from a lot of different people. Um, so pretty thankful for that. Go to Shy. To your right. John Gratz. No. Thank you. Uh, just to follow up a little bit on the discussions over the past couple of weeks, you guys were obviously thrown in a situation where you had to make things work. I'm just wondering how much of the discussions over the past couple of weeks were on sort of looking back at what you did versus casting forward to what you guys want to do and how you want the relationship to work moving forward. I think a little bit of both. You know, you get so locked into trying to win every night in a pretty unique circumstance taking, you know, taking over middle of the season. Um, we had brief discussions about things we think we can get better at, and I think that was really shifted when the season was over to, okay, how are we really going to tackle this? Um, and looking back and seeing areas that we did improve at um, from a preparation standpoint, performance standpoint, but also areas where we can kind of tighten it up. So um, I think, you know, having open conversations with Ross and hearing his feedback and input and him hearing mine um, from sometimes a different vantage point and then arriving at a, at a place where we think is best for the team and for the organization. So that's kind of where it shifted from trying to win tonight to, you know, trying to win um, for the future uh, for a lot of years in a row. And Ross, similarly, um, last time when you hired Charlie, there was obviously a long process and lots of interviews involved. Uh, how, uh, beyond the obvious, how did this process differ in terms of you trying to get to a decision on this? Yeah, I, I think the circumstance is entirely different. Um, you know, over the course of the last, I believe it's been, you know, less than two weeks, 13 days, I believe, since the last day of the season to where we are today. And, um, John summarized our interactions very well. Uh, we had, you know, the opportunity to have that without much downside uh, in thinking about uh, the rigors of trying to win on a daily basis, the stress that that creates, the emotion that's involved. We spent virtually, um, you know, very, very little time, if, if time at all, on thinking about days after the season. Uh, all of our energy was deployed towards winning each night. And so to be able to pull back and, and think about things from a bigger uh, lens perspective uh, was very helpful for us and you know, you know, felt productive for John as well. Can you give an example of what that thinking, specific examples of what that thinking about things from a, a broader lens might look like? Um, <clears throat> you know, I'd, I'd love for today to be about John Schneider and how excited we are uh, about him. And I would love to uh, drill down on that with you in maybe a different setting. I'm just so excited about getting here today for, for John Schneider and what it means for the organization moving forward. Um, you know, but, but one example is, you know, I think in the way that I described it, all of our interactions were about how are we going to win tonight? And I think John summarized it exceptionally well by saying, how are we going to win for years to come where this is sustainable? And what's the difference in thinking about that? Right, Keegan. 
Hey, Perot. John, um, these last few years, of course, you've been part of the day-to-day the -day game meetings, but I'm, I'm curious what your experience has been with the interaction between front office and manager when it comes to daily game planning, and what you've learned about balancing that between the more human or managerial decisions you're making in-game. Yeah, sure. Great question. It's, uh, I've learned a ton, um, a ton in the last three months and a ton in the last three and a half years. Uh, or four years being up here and it is a very cool dynamic to have you know the platform to give your opinion and speak your mind from a you know hey this is how I'm feeling in the dugout and understanding how objective numbers may line up with certain strategies and also understanding you know that you're dealing with people and it's um, it's been a very very cool back and forth from not only Ross but I think everyone that's involved from the front office um, hearing, hearing us, us hearing them, and learning from each other along the way. It's, uh, it makes decisions in the moment a lot easier. It makes decisions in the moment a lot slower, and you feel, you feel comfortable about the ones that you are making. This is uh, John Schneider's news conference. The Jays have signed John Schneider to a contract three years plus an option. Ross Atkins, John Schneider at the podium at the Rogers Center. I think we, we, we've talked about this a lot, and I think one of the many attractive things about John is how prepared he is that allows him to be agile in a game. So there's so much work done prior uh, to think about all the different hypotheticals. You can't possibly think about every one of them. Uh, we certainly try to. Uh, when, we, when we have the opportunity, we're always drilling down and try to take three and four steps beyond what's already been thought about. Uh, but agility is huge and being able to rely on experiences and ultimately trust your process to make decisions in the moment has to be there. And it was evident to us that he was prepared to have that confidence to be agile. Okay, well again, congrats, John, and we appreciate you all joining us here today. Thank you very much, guys. So there you go. That is, uh, or was, the news conference from the Rogers Center. John Schneider being named manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, or extended, more accurately, as manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Three years plus an option for the 2026 season. It's Kevin Barker and Jeff Blair. Uh, special edition, I guess we call it, of Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Caleb Joseph, will join us in a few minutes to... Uh, talk a little more about uh, about this announcement so Kevin I guess a lot of talk about process not not much and I don't think we really I didn't expect this necessarily we were going to get a lot of uh, public confirmation or <clears throat> information about the process itself uh, it did take a couple of weeks and Ross Atkins did kind of tell folks uh, in the media at his year-end availability uh, he did allude to two weeks as being kind of the, the sweet spot for an announcement. We should mention, by the way, the Texas Rangers have announced that Bruce Bochy has agreed to manage their team. And I think what we're seeing here is there's this unwritten rule that in the postseason, when announcements are made, they're generally made on an off day. Now, I guess you could look at the, this is two American League teams making an announcement on an American League Championship Series off day, even though San Diego and Philadelphia are are playing tonight. So, just just so you know, there are there's kind of a protocol here in terms of actually making the announcements. Uh, it's the commissioner's office likes if it's jewel events, as it calls it, can 
kind of operate on their own. But, Kevin, I guess the biggest takeaway, uh, this is kind of the money quote, if there is one, is from John Schneider about the coaching staff. Hopefully everybody's back in some capacity. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't sound like they're all coming back to the and doing the jobs that they were doing last year, if all are coming back. That which raises that's... the question, if you don't... Yeah, exactly, which raises the question, if you don't want to do your new role, are you going to come back? That's why I think there was a little bit of a, a, little bit of a drag with this. Yeah, I'm sure that had something to do with it. Again, this gets back to if you're John, you want your own guy. And now, what is it guys or is it guy? That there's, I think there's a big difference there. And and there's, we mentioned this on our show a little bit earlier. There's a process here, and you know, you're you're worrying about yourself first. You got to take care of your family. Now you're worrying about taking care of people that are around you. That includes your coaching staff and. And yeah, I I just it would be interesting to see if he gets a new bench coach. It'd be interesting to see if maybe the third base coach retires. I'm not speaking for Louie. I never would. Louie's a tremendous man. He does a tremendous job with the infielders and all the things he does at third base. So I'm not speaking for him either. I I would think you know, the hitting coach that's a little up in the air. I mean, there's so many of them. Do you do you simplify it and not have as many? Have one or two instead of three or four? There's some things there that need to be ironed out. It's go time now. Like the, you know, John is a tremendous uh, guy when it comes to when you ask him a question, he answers it. Like it, it's, you know, sometimes you get the old run around and you don't get the answer that you're expecting you're going to get. With John, he answers the question, which is kind of nice. He's very good at that. He's very good at selling his team, selling his organization. Maybe that has to do with he's been in the Jays organization for 20 years. He knows every single one of these players inside and out, at least the ones that matter the most. And now it's about winning baseball games. He has to get off to a good start. They have to show up in spring training looking differently, acting differently than they were at the end of the season. And it seems like they found their man. And now it's a it's sort of that where it's put up or shut up time for the organization and for John Snyder and Ross Atkins. And I, for me, this is just me, not because he's my friend and I've known John forever. I think they found the right guy. Push aside what happened to him in the last game that he managed – I think up until that point, I'm with you. It's a body of work and just the communication factor. He talked about that. That's a big deal for him, remembering that they're human beings and baseball's hard. I think we forget that a lot of the times is in these games. They are, he is dealing with human beings. He is, you know, dealing and trying to sell that baseball is not hard at the time. You know, you can do your job. You're the best at it. Go out there and show us that you're the best at it. There's a fine line in how you do it and how you communicate it. And, and you know as well as I know. John delivers the message whether they like it or not. That, that for me, is his biggest strength. He will hold up the big giant-sized mirror, say, take a look at it. If you were me, what would you do to you? And I think that, for me, is what separates John from other people that they've had in here. And now it's, you know, it's time for Ross to go out and solidify what they need to be taken care of in the offseason. We all know what that is. We don't need to say it out loud. They know what they need to do. Now it's just you show up, you do the right thing, and you make winning a habit. Mm. The The process, of course, is it will interview or will interest a lot of people because uh, of the time. You know, and, and this the time involved, this was kind of brought into focus when the Phillies took the interim tag off Rob Thompson on the eve of the playoffs. I mean, that is a different situation because – you know, the Phillies were in the playoffs. They're still in the playoffs. And I'm sure David Dombrowski, the last thing he wanted was every day at Rob Thompson's media availability, somebody to say, so Rob, are you any closer to signing a contract with the team? Mm-hmm. So that 
But when that decision was made, I think a lot of people immediately shifted focus to the Blue Jays and said, okay, um, what are you going to do with John Schneider? Uh, Mark Feinsand reported, and, and it was, you have to read this in the appropriate way, but Mark Feinsand reported that Kevin Long, who is the Philadelphia Phillies hitting coach, was going to be a candidate for a couple of teams, and then Mark listed the teams that were looking for managers. Theoretically, the Blue Jays were one of them. So some people looked at that and said, okay, now that decision is, that the, the, the net is being cast wider. We talked about Terry Francona, a lot of folks in social media. Terry Francona, well-known to this front office. Uh, Terry Francona, you know, look, it, it's Terry Francona's missed a lot of games because of health in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I don't think, first of all, Terry Francona is in a position where he wants to leave Cleveland for any place else. And secondly, I, I just I don't I don't know it, I don't know what his health is like. It's you know it's a it's a difficult move for him at this time. So I don't I think a lot of people put two and two together and came up with four. Bud Black, we've talked about this. Bud Black. Friends with Mark Shapiro, knows Ross Atkins. He signed a new two-year contract with the Colorado Rockies. Would the Jays have at least approached the Rockies about Bud Black's availability? I don't know. Are there other coaches out there? Like, there are a lot of ways of doing this. But I do think that John Schneider was their number one choice all along. But knowing the way this organization does business, I think they felt they had to maybe at least check through back channels on other guys. Yeah, and maybe the, the way the season ended, maybe that gave them an excuse to prolong it and go out and maybe try and find a better well, candidate. Give them an excuse to do that, and maybe that did that, and that's why it took 13 days is what Well, and Ross as John Atkinson. said, you know, as, as John also said, when you take over a team in the middle of the year, you don't have a lot of time to sit down with the GM and say, okay, let's look forward to next spring training. How are we going to run it? No, you got to be Kansas City that yep. night. You got to be Philadelphia that night. Then you got the All Star break. Then you got to come back and you're in Boston. You got to beat Boston. There's because I know we made the point that these guys have seen John Schneider in the cauldron. They've known him for years. They've now seen him manage games. Why would it take so long? I, I think I don't think it's just empty words when both Ross and John said, "Look, so much focus was on winning that game." Now. Because this wasn't a guy taking over a team that was rebuilding. This wasn't a guy taking over a team that was punting the season. This is a guy taking over and taking over a team that wanted to go in a deep run in the playoffs. And I really think there just may not have been enough time to talk about what else, what do you like about me? What do I like about you? What don't you like about me? What do we need to add to the coaching staff to improve strengths? Jeff, I don't think they're lying when they said that. Jeff, let me ask you a question. Because of the way the season ended, if they would have not brought John back and brought somebody else in, would you have been shocked? I would have been surprised. Nothing shocks me. Um, yeah. I, I was shocked when Charlie Montoya was hired just because his name hadn't really been out there all that much. I would have been surprised. Uh, let's put it this way. I would have been shocked if it was somebody who wasn't a quote-unquote name. Like if they didn't bring John Schneider back because they were hiring somebody else's bench coach or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that would have shocked me. But uh, completely surprised, no. No. 
Yeah, I, I think, think I would have been completely surprised. I, I, I think me and you have inside information that other people probably don't have, and that's why you're answering that the way you're answering it. But I, I just think with the way the season ended, and they didn't jump all over it right away. I'm assuming you know you give a, you give the process a little bit of a little bit of breathing room, and you figure out how to, again to to dot the i's, cross the t's, and if that name just jumps off the page mm-hmm. and it's all over you, and it's that big time name. I don't know what that big time name is. They'd have to. Tell you who that is but if it was that name then that maybe you know you could sell it a little bit easier is my point to not only yep. the blue jays team and organization because of the way the season ended that's my point yeah and also that i mean that season ended so dramatically it's not no i don't question. think anybody I, I i wasn't in a position to make a decision on monday or tuesday about what i was going to eat that day i was still kind of drawn out because of the loss i can't imagine yep. that ross atkins and john schneider after that loss said, okay, hey, let's have a meeting on Monday and let's get right back to this. I, I, I think they probably needed to step back and take some time. We are going to step away and take a break. Again, the Jeff Merrick Show is on Sportsnet 590's The, fan, the Fan's alternate feed. It's on Sportsnet 360. It's Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. Blair and Barker will be here to the top of the hour discussing John Schneider's contract. And when we come back, Caleb Joseph will join us. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Covering the Raptors in-depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker for another half hour. If you... uh... We're expecting you to tune into the Jeff Merrick show. Uh, he is on our alternate feed and also on 360. Regular programming will resume at the top of the hour. We have been providing coverage this afternoon of the Toronto Blue Jays announcement that John Schneider will be back to manage the Blue Jays. He has agreed to a contract that will run for three years with an option for the fourth year in 2006, which I think we have figured out coincides with Ross Atkins' contract um, as to to be the Blue Jays' general manager. Of course, John Schneider taking over from Charlie Montoyo halfway through the season, just before the All-Star break, leading the Jays into the postseason. And, uh, well, we all know what happened in the wild-card series against the Seattle Mariners. And uh, this announcement comes 13 days after the conclusion of the season. And as we've been talking about uh, in the first half hour, not a shock that John Schneider is back. We've attempted to uh, flesh out or perhaps unearth some of the reasons that it took 13 days uh, to get this done. And I uh, I think we've kind of settled on the reason for that. Bottom line, John Schneider is the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Caleb Joseph is our Blue Jays central analyst. He's also part of our postseason coverage on Sportsnet, and Caleb Joseph joins us on Blair and Barker. Caleb, thanks so much for joining Mr. Barker and myself. Look, you are in the rare position of having played for a team where John Schneider was the coach. So you have an idea. You've seen how he relates to players. You've seen, most importantly, how the players relate to him. Um, two questions. One, are you, I'm going to ask you if you're surprised that John's back, even though I think I know the answer. But two, 
Tell us something we need to know about John Schneider that may not be apparent from what we saw since he replaced Charlie Montoyo. Mm, good questions. Great to speak with you guys. No, I'm not surprised at all that John Schneider is back as the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. He did a nice job when he took over for Charlie Montoyo, and I think they're rewarding him with that. And remember, this guy's been in the organization for a long time, I think over two decades at this point, and has built a lot of street cred inside the organization, inside that clubhouse. Something about John Schneider that people might not know. Um, he's a very funny guy. Uh, he, he can get really serious, and he's a funny guy. He likes to joke around. He's a great communicator. And when it comes to those one-on-one communication skills with players in a, in, in a closed-door setting, he has a great ability to get the point across and be stern yet not condescending and not rubbing players the wrong way. And I think that's a really key point for a manager, especially in today's game where a lot of the players are younger and they're still trying to find their way. A lot of players come up in their young 20s, look at kind of the trio of Bichette, Guerrero, and uh, uh, Biggio. They come up in their early 20s and they're trying to find their way in the big leagues. And there are tough conversations that need to happen day in, day out as you're learning how to play in the big leagues. And he's got a way of having those conversations, keeping it light, yet also making it very apparent and very clear what his expectations are for you as a player, as just a a teammate, um, as a member of of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think it's going to go a long way with him. We saw a little bit of that starting to come to fruition with some players and certain types of plays and the way guys were accepting responsibility and trying to take responsibility. I think, giving him an entire spring training to implement his entire methodology on how he wants to approach the baseball game is going to pay huge dividends. How much do you think uh, the way they saw him uh, handle Bo's failures, you know, they moved, he moved him all over the lineup, moved him all the way down to seven hole. I mean, that's a, that's a big move, right? One of your superstars that you're sort of treating him that way that you would do it to him, you'd do it to anybody. How much do you think that Ross mentioned trust? Like he's earned the trust of the organization. And whenever I think of that word trust, I think about how you handle the players on your team that matter the most. And if I'm in that organization, I see him handle Bo a little bit with, you know, he's taking the gloves off. Like, enough of this is enough. You're not getting the job done. I'm going to move you around. How much do you think that helped, you know, gain the trust of the organization just the way they saw him handle Bo? I think it was huge. I think it's a great point, a great little phrase, take the gloves off. I mean, uh, it's easy for Blue Jays fans to still see Vladdy and Bo as as kind of the younger guys. These guys, these guys are, they're not veterans by any means, but it's time to take the gloves off and time to expect a little bit more and time to, start to explain those expectations and have those tough conversations. And yeah, you're, you're looking for trust in the entire game, whether it's from a manager to a player, from player to player, it's the biggest thing you can, you can bring is trustworthiness. If you, you're going to show up every day and you know what you're going to get from player X or player B, that's a good, good thing to have. And as a manager, if you have built that trust over years and years and years with the players, and then we'll find a way to build it with the newer players, it's huge. And that's what I love about Schneider's. When we were together in 2020 in the bubble, we had a lot of time to spend with each other in terms of just 
the entire organization, the entire staff. We were so close together. We really got to know everybody in the organization really well. And I had numerous amounts of conversations with Schneider and was just so uh, not pleasantly surprised because he comes off as a really lighthearted guy, but how important the details of the game were and how important accountability was. And these certain factors that I've been on winning teams that all had that it factor. They had that separator, which most of the time don't beat yourselves. And we've seen it over the past couple of years. The Blue Jays have found a way to kind of beat themselves over and over and over. And it puts them in different trajectories throughout the season. And I think Schneider's going to come in, take the kitty gloves off, start playing real ball, and focus on a lot of those issues that have found ways to kind of plague the Blue Jays. I think it's a huge thing. The organization trusts him. I I was a big fan. I wanted him back. I'm excited that he's back, and I think it's going to pay big dividends. Sometimes you got to learn the hard way, and I only know John as a player. You know, he's my roommate for a little while. I played with him. You know him as a coach. What do you think he took from the way the season ended, the way he handled the pitching, and how do you think he'll learn from that? Well, he's a really cerebral guy, and he's able to make adjustments. And you don't you don't ascend from the A ball ranks all the way to the big leagues and managing in that same organization without learning lessons, without making quick adjustments. And who knows, right? If if Mesa comes in and he gets a ground ball from Santana and yeah. there's no issues there, who knows if we're really talking about it? If two of those bloops are caught, who knows? But that's the sour taste in the mouth, right? And so when you talk about all these amazing things with John Schneider, it's so still two weeks later, 13 days later, it's hard not to feel that kind of bitterness of three or four questionable calls in the same game to end a series. And uh, I, he, he knows how to make adjustments. And I think he might find himself in a better position next year because it's hard to come in and kind of start being the bench coach and then move into a manager's role. It's a lot harder than I think people understand in that that bench coach role, it's not a good cop, bad cop where the manager's the good cop and the bad cop, but there, there are kind of, they kind of play off of each other, at least on the organizations that I played with. And so stepping into kind of a newer role, there's different responsibilities and going back to that, that game two that ended their season I think he's going to learn that, that trust his gut, you know, trust his gut, his gut, his gut is good. And his gut is right. And I remember being a catcher whenever I kind of went away from my gut. Uh, I, that's when I felt like I got burnt and his gut has been created by numerous amounts of experiences. He's been in those type of games, whether it was a ball or triple a, or even as a bench coach in the big leagues is that gut that he has is good. His instincts are good and trust the gut. You know, now the focus turns, obviously, to Ross Atkins and and to uh, player moves in the offseason. And, Caleb, I know, as I said, you're part of our postseason coverage. Both Kevin and I have talked about this all along uh, since the playoffs started. I mean, I I watch the bullpens in all these series, and I find myself sort of subconsciously saying, okay, how many Jays could pitch in this bullpen how many jays would be in this team (laughs) and i you know i usually it usually ends at one jordan romano and 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 not necessarily well definitely not in the closers role on any of these teams what we're seeing in the postseason do you think that is just going to reinforce or should reinforce in ross's mind that he really you know 
we they really need to focus on the bullpen this offseason. Like that this you know, and, and when I say focus, I'm not saying open open it to everybody, but you're probably gonna have to add some arms by trade, maybe free agency, and you know what you're gonna have to do what the Orioles did, right? You're you're also gonna have to luck out and get some mm-hmm. dude who's gonna come in and throw ninety nine for a year. Yeah, it, it's really hard to build an elite bullpen in the big leagues, in my opinion, totally via free agency. There, there's so many guys out there, but there's so few that are in that cream of the crop, and those guys cost a lot of money. So like you said, you've got to hit on a waiver claim. You, you've got to have two or three guys that blossom uh, at the beginning of spring training. You've got to have all these factors kind of fall into place. But I, for me, it's, it's their strategy. So we talked about the three batter pockets, right? And if you're going to build a bullpen based off of that three batter pocket where you're playing a certain pitcher's stuff against a certain hitter's weaknesses or swing path, that is fine. And over 162, it makes total sense how you can plug and play and get away with it. The playoffs are just a different animal. And for some reason, swing and miss plays, all day and especially in the big leagues and i think they got stuck in kind of that plug and play where santana they felt like the matchup was really good against mesa but i i I would not have gone there i would have loved to have gone to a guy throwing 99 with swing and miss stuff Mm -hmm. so it's it's more about strategy with me if they're going to do the plug and play they're going to they're going to have to reconstruct a lot of pieces in that bullpen and then my question is how many are even possible uh, it's hard to gain two or three guys in free agency. Uh, how many guys can they start to reconstruct? It's going to be interesting to see. But the 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 certain three batter pockets have kind of pigeonholed them into certain types of guys. So you've got Simber who's down below, right? You've got uh, uh, Bass who throws more of that sinker. But I mean, Bass turned into a, a reverse split guy. I mean, uh, couldn't you know? Could well not reverse. He he turned into just a straight natural right on right. He he couldn't face lefties or so they said. So. You know, they're kind of pigeonholed into certain places they could go. If everything falls into place and you get the matchups you like and everybody performs the way you like, it makes sense. But one thing that plays night in, night out is velocity and swing and miss. It plays night in, night out on April 5th and on October 20th. It still plays. Caleb, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Great insight as always, my friend. Great stuff, buddy. Have a good one. Thanks. Be well. It's Caleb Joseph, Sportsnet uh, analyst. He'll be part of our postseason coverage. Of course, he was part of our Blue Jays coverage as well. That, I mean, that that's really well said. Uh, when when you look at the bullpen, this the, the Blue Jays, Kevin may need to. They may may well. They don't may need to. They need a little bit of a philosophical overhaul here, especially if you want to go to the postseason. Especially if you want to go to the postseason. I keep getting back to this, and I'm going to give myself credit for this because I said it at the time. Um, I don't know if I would have given Liam Hendricks the extra year he wanted mm-hmm. to come here, but I certainly wouldn't have not brought him in here simply because of the extra year that he wanted to come here. Yeah, spinning spin your way to a World Series is impossible on your manager. Like every single time your manager goes to a guy, he's got to be perfect with it, and he's not going to be perfect. That means you got to have four or five dudes in your, in your bullpen that you're – 
depending on spinning the baseball to get somebody out late in the season. It's just not going to work, right? These guys, these hitters are too good. The game plan too well against secondary pitches now. For me, Ross has got to take care of what ifs. What if my closer misses three weeks? Who fills in that spot? What if I don't have my setup guy? What if I don't have my seventh inning guy? Right? There has to be what ifs. She has to take care of what ifs. And right now there's a lot of what ifs that need to be taken care of in this bullpen and in the rotation. There's not going to be any more Ross Stripling. Mm-hmm. Who who feels in that spot, right? So there are so many what ifs. What what if Jose Barrios has another hiccup and doesn't have a good, another good year? That could happen too. So he's got some what ifs that need to be taken care of, and it's not going to be the and, easiest thing to do because there's other teams need to take care of what ifs also. No, and we and we made this point as well. In addition to high velocity bullpens, the other thing you've seen in the postseason is that teams who have logged a lot of starters innings are having more success we talked about this the top eight teams in terms of innings pitched by their starting pitchers were in the playoffs even the dodgers they were only 11th the blue jays were something like 17th or 18th so it's not simply enough to have high velocity stuff you do have to have a lot of innings out of your starting rotation and that's one thing the jays you know, had some issues with at times this year. It certainly wasn't the weakest part Sa- of the team. Saves the power for the best time of the season. Yeah. That's what it does. Exactly. So, there you are. The mystery is over. If there ever was one. John Schneider is the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. He has agreed to a three-year contract with an option for 2026. Congratulations to John Schneider and his family. It's the right move for the Blue Jays, I think most of us say. And now, the attention shifts. Ross Atkins, as of this moment, you are on the clock. That's it for us today. Blair and Barker will be back Monday from 11 to noon Eastern. As always, if you're listening to us via podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy the baseball.